War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show weekdays. We start right now at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, petro.com it's wednesday it is august 3rd there were some uh, significant primaries last night in other parts of the country i which also just re-emphasized to me just how late our primary is september 13th i think it's too late they say they don't have the primary in june because a lot of people you know the general assembly they're still in session august they feel that people are, are away but I, I think September 13th is so late on, on the calendar. Um, some of the news today, though, folks, I want to just play the Channel 10 has this interesting story out of this uh, family in Johnston. Family feud turns into campaign fight between candidates. Um, I, I, I can this would turn off voters, but I want you to listen to it just because it is different. It's for uh, uh, an election being held in Johnston. And it has to do with an uncle and his nephew and some accusations. It's a very bitter campaign going on. Um, let's um, hear some of this. And I don't know why. Had it just a moment ago. So I do want to, um, again, this is a campaign up oh, that is happening right now. And we're going to play it for you folks again. It's in Johnston had to do with they were involved with an auto uh i think an auto body business and now they're running against each other there is a third party in the race but um this to me is one of those things that becomes like a turnoff i think somewhat for the voters and it's um it's different when you see this type of back and forth first of all in any campaign but especially when it has to do with their members of the same family here we go now making accusations the current state lawmaker claims his nephew does not live in the district they are running against each other in while the challenger in the democratic primary claims his uncle's accusations are racially motivated the state rep trying to fend off an election challenger because he doesn't live in the district making an accusation in the feud that pits him against his nephew we're not backing down to him Edward Cardillo claims his opponent and relative, Dennis Cardillo, does not live in Johnston, in the district they both want to represent at the State House. Now, I kind of like thought it was my duty to bring it out publicly that he did not live there. Edward says he hired a private investigator to prove his claim. You say he has proof. Yes, he does. Showing us pictures of cars and Dennis, he says, at a Cranston apartment complex where he claims Dennis really lives. How do you prove that he lives there if you just have pictures and photos of him coming and going from there? Or is there more to it than that? Those are the things, like, I won't get into my private investigator will. But you're saying this is your private investigator. Residence. This is my legal residence? Dennis talking to us outside a house in Johnston, showing us recent bills and bank statements with that address, saying he did live at the Cranston apartment last year, that his mom lives there now, and he's been going there to help her recover from knee surgery. Dennis with his wife, who is Latina. We really do believe that Edward Cardillo Jr. is doing this as a racial profiling and biased. That is totally untrue. Dennis and his wife also claim Edward has been watching them from near the Johnston home, taking pictures of them. He has been following us. He has been stalking us. To the point, they say, they have moved out of this house to an apartment in Johnston, which is also in the district. That's absolutely ridiculous to state that. First of all, I work every day in the morning. I am not. I don't have the time for nonsense. Both Cardillo say they do not have a relationship with one another. Apparently There's not. There's a decades-long family split over ownership of an auto business that has Edward and his brother, Dennis's father, in a bitter legal fight. Why did you want to run against your uncle? Honestly, I really didn't think he was going to run. I believe he chose to run against me for all the wrong reasons. All right, now the Johnston Board of Canvassers is scheduled to hear the residency allegations at a hearing on Thursday. You know what's amazing, folks, as I play this, is just that Channel 10 devoted the amount of time to it that it that it did. I don't understand. Someone's following us, so we're going to move out of the—I don't know what to make of the whole story. It's also—by the way, that's not racial profiling. 
that's just maybe they could say that he he feels that it's racist that his wife is Latina and that's why you know the uncle if if he's insinuating has a problem with that but that's not racial profiling so that is um that's a matter of racial profiling is that the police pull someone over because it happens to be you know maybe like most of the time it's a it's a person of of color and they feel that that's why they pulled them over but um it, it that that's not he doesn't like me and my wife she's latina so that is that is um racial pro- that's actually not racial profiling all right some of the other news out there is uh obviously pelosi's trip to to taiwan i want to play this is the gma good morning america china announces military exercises because of her Taiwan's her visit overnight china's accusing accusing the u.s of playing with fire our senior white house correspondent mary bruce is tracking the latest good morning mary Good morning, Michael. Yeah, overnight, a historic moment on a trip that has sparked a lot of controversy and fierce push, fierce pushback from the Chinese. Now, the White House this morning says they anticipated this response, but is warning China not to escalate things further. This morning, the meeting China did not want to happen. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi defying Beijing's stern warnings, warmly received by Taiwan's president. Our delegation came here to send an unequivocal message, America stands with Taiwan. Pelosi is the highest-ranking official to visit Taiwan in 25 years, a self-governing democracy that China considers part of its territory. The world faces a choice between democracy and autocracy. America's determination to preserve democracy here in Taiwan and around the world remains ironclad. But this morning, Beijing is furious, accusing the U.S. of playing with fire. The Chinese government swift to react, announcing military exercises in the waters surrounding Taiwan, including live ammunition drills, and sending nearly two dozen warplanes into its air defense zone. The spokesman for the Chinese foreign ministry this morning saying the U.S. and Taiwan are not listening. And therefore, the Chinese military and the Chinese side can only communicate with the U.S. and the Taiwan Independent Separatist Forces in a language that they can understand. Mm. Pelosi has long been a vocal critic of China's human rights record. Good. Seen here in 1991 commemorating the pro-democracy protesters killed in Tiananmen Square. And visits by Republican and Democratic lawmakers are common. But this visit is different. Shrouded in secrecy, Pelosi's office refusing to confirm the stop until she touched down in Taipei. Wow. Now, the Chinese this morning are also summoning the U.S. ambassador to China to formally protest Pelosi's visit. The White House, though, is defending her decision to make this trip, saying it is in line with longstanding U.S. policy. Absolutely. China can screw over. No way, folks. They have no right over this. Now, this also, this next story, I just want to quickly play it. New round U.S. sanctions against uh, Putin's rumored girlfriend. Boy, this is playing hardball. George, sanctions on Russia have been piling up for months. The United States and its allies trying to find ways to force Russia out of Ukraine. But this latest round is getting personal, focusing on Vladimir Putin's alleged girlfriend. This morning, the U.S. is closing in on Putin's inner circle, now sanctioning his reported longtime girlfriend, who's also believed to be the mother of some of his children. To Putin, it says essentially that now um, all bets are off. The U.S. freezing Alina Kapaeva's access to property, saying the 39-year-old Olympian has a close relationship to Putin, something she's previously denied, and is the current head of a pro-Kremlin media empire. Alina Kabaeva is believed to be one of the people where he essentially stashed away his wealth. And so going for her essentially trickles down to the young children as well. Any kind of assets that might be in their names, in her name. This is now kind of getting to the tentacles of Putin's inner circle as far as his financial wealth goes. A former rhythmic gymnast, Kabaeva is a two-time Olympic medalist seen here competing in Athens in 2004. When she took home the gold. A few months later, she was photographed with Putin at a Kremlin banquet in Moscow. U.S. officials telling the Wall Street Journal she gave birth to three of his children. 
She has been living in Switzerland for quite some time now. We know that she gave birth to at least the first child in Switzerland. The twins, the second two children, were believed to have been given birth to in Russia. Wow. But she has a lot of ties to Switzerland, and that may sort of be regulated uh, because of these sanctions. Putin has repeatedly denied any relationship with her and has never publicly acknowledged the children. In April, Maria and Katerina, Putin's daughters with his ex-wife, were also hit with sanctions. The U.S. Treasury alleges 37-year-old Maria is the leader of state-funded genetics research programs, while 35-year-old Katerina is a tech executive. Katerina is also known for acrobatic rock and roll competitions. In a rare interview about his family, Putin discussed his daughter's careers in his 2017 docuseries with film director Oliver Stone. You're a very lucky man. Two good children. Why now? Well, there may have been concern at the beginning of this war about piling too much pressure on the Kremlin too soon. Sanctions actually haven't made too much of an immediate difference no. to this war so far, but they are a long-term strategy. And with food and fuel prices rising globally, Vladimir Putin's gamble is that the West loses its nerve before he does. Guys, You know, again, uh, that is obviously still going on. Folks, it's hard to believe. I feel very removed. You think, I mean, I was there back in March, and now this thing is still going on with no end in sight. There's a stop and start to it, but uh, no end at all. All right, it's Wednesday. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe joins us right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 you are listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 you can always listen online at the website petro.com joining us right now columnist in the boston globe mainly focuses on Rhode Island. It is uh, Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, in Roadmap today, you lay out, I think, pretty effectively. It's one of those things Rhode Island has enjoyed a little bit of a window here with uh, with Massachusetts not involved with sports betting. That's changing. And, uh, and out of the box, just wondering how much you think maybe the, the age things. And there are a number of Massachusetts people that are sports betting in Rhode Island. Yeah, I mean, think about this. 25% of the people who are registered to use the Rhode Island Sportsbook app um, are have Massachusetts addresses. So the bottom line is this is going to be, you know, a major challenge, I think, for the state. It is going to cost the state, Rhode, the state of Rhode Island money because people are going to choose to, um, you know, to bet in their home state. The other thing is, is that you're going to have a little bit of, we always talk about, you know, the, the kind of the sales tax things and like, you know, do you go to Seekonk versus being in East Providence? Massachusetts is going to have a little bit of an advantage there. The way they uh, created their law, they're going to have up to seven um, online or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Online like apps that you can use. So think DraftKings or Caesars, whereas Rhode Island only has the one. And so if you're really into sports betting and we're going to start basically right around football season, which is the prime time for sports betting, you know, you're going to be able to shop for better deals. You're going to be able to, you know, potentially there'll be better promotions in Massachusetts. So I think this is going to be significant. Now, one thing Rhode Island has a little bit of an edge on uh, Rhode Island's laws. You're allowed to start sports betting at 18. Massachusetts will be 21. So there's a little bit of a challenge there. But remember, I mean, for for people wagering 
you know, uh, uh, larger amounts and, and the, the bulk of people are going to be over the age of 21 anyway. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a challenge. You know, the state has been preparing for this. They did a, a study last year, hired an outside advisor that said, you know, what's the impact of a whole bunch of different scenarios, but really Connecticut and Massachusetts having sports betting. And it could be 16, 17, almost $20 million annually that Rhode Island loses to Connecticut and Massachusetts. Um, and so, you know, not, not going to break the bank necessarily, but it is going to be uh, fairly significant. It'll be interesting to see going forward if Rhode Island, uh, you know, potentially makes changes based on what Massachusetts does. The big question will be, you know, in a couple of years, the state's contracts open up again. And will there be a scenario where we start to see more companies be allowed into to um we're uh, speaking with dan mcgowan and dean you were just finishing up that you know listen it's going to have impact it's a matter of how much it's going to have impact uh what changes they make and then what rhode island might do to try to adapt to it i'm not sure there's a lot that that we can actually do but it uh but but something that could the competition is here yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, you're right. There's not a lot because, look, Massachusetts is bigger, right? Uh, the big one will be, can will Rhode Island decide at some point to allow multiple uh, vendors in, which could become more attractive? That's how you, you, know, you separate yourself uh, from the competition because, you know, for people who really like sports betting, they are actually hunting for, you know, a half a point on the Patriots line yeah. and things like that. And that's what these companies do in order to bring in more, you know, more betters, they will, you know, change lines. They'll do whatever they can to get those, the, the customers, right. The, the biggest thing about that business is customer acquisition. Once you have them, you know, the thought process is you'll always keep them, but you got to get them in. And that's the, the, the idea is, you know, if, if you have multiple apps, you know, they're all going to be competing with each other. Rhode Island just has the one, it's actually pretty, you know, flaky and kind of not a great uh, a product. And so, you know, if you're in that, as I said before, if you're in that situation of you're, you know, you're right on the, the Seekonk line, it won't be that hard to, you know, go to the stop and shop parking lot and, and place your bets because you, you get better deals in Massachusetts. In Rhode Island also, I, you had to go to Twin River to register to get the app. So, you know, uh, people that are out of state or even if they're, from here but maybe live elsewhere they cannot they can't be part of it you have That's to right. go there so yeah. you know mass could make it easier now dan mcgowan you wrote um again folks speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe big piece on uh nervous la fortune and one thing i noticed that I, I have been in providence quite a bit the past couple of days is boy it as in riding around it looks like a two-person race i see brett smiley signs i see gonzalo signs i don't see the parts that I've been in, I don't, I don't see a lot of signage for her campaign. You're, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, it's funny before I wrote this, but after I sat down with her or, or followed her around for a, uh, you know, an entire night last week, basically this weekend, this past weekend, I drove around to the, through the entire city. Cause you know, yep. what, while these, you know, signs don't necessarily vote, they do give you an indication of kind of, who's organized because organization is what gets your signs out and you're, you, you've hit it on the head. You know, uh, I live in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood. You see a lot of David Salvatore and a lot of Sam Bell signs. You see a lot of Gonzalo Cuervo signs who lives, yep. you know, right down the street from me and, and lives on right on Mount Pleasant Avenue. Uh, you know, go to the East side, you see lots of uh, Brett Smiley signs. Like there's other parts of the city. You see a little bit of mix. And what I think the challenge that Nirvala Fortune has is, you know, I, 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 the way I summed it up in, in my column on her is, you know, she's got this very compelling life story. I think it resonates with a lot of people. You know, it's your classic, I'm an, I was an undocumented immigrant, came here from, from Haiti, you know, did all the right things, got educated, uh, you know, I work, you know, I own a house, I got elected to the city council. Um, and it, but the problem is, is that that real life is, is, is the thing that holds her back, right? She has to work every day. She's raising a, you know, she's a single mom raising two kids. And, and where you really see her, um, I think, falling behind the two other candidates for mayor is when it comes to kind of that organization. She just can't be in as many places. And I saw her 
just a couple of weeks ago, she was in my neighborhood knocking on doors by herself. You know, wasn't, wow. wasn't staffed by an intern. She was literally oh. doing this by herself. Um, the thing that that's striking about her is, you know, if you looked at we we, we talked about Mayor Lorz's poll last week. You know, she's she was right around twenty percent. There's some disputes. The Smiley campaign certainly thinks that it's they're in a better place than. Uh, and she's in kind of a, a, you know, further down, maybe in the low, the low teens. Um, the thing you notice about her is when she's out with people, she resonates, right? She's good at doing the retail politics, yep. finds the way to, you know, connect with you. And she was, we were on the South side and she was talking about, you know, where she used to get her hair cut and things like that. People like that stuff. The problem is that if you can't hit that many people, you only got five, six weeks to go. And, you know, you're even in the case of, of, of the meet and greet that I was at, you know, it, this is a, a, a it was, I think it was a Wednesday night. Yeah, because it's the day I talked to you last. And, uh, you know, it's a Wednesday night. There's 12 people there that she's talking to. Now, they all liked her. They, they, they were impressed. But it was 12 people, yeah. over, you know, over the course of, what, three hours. Wow. You know, that's four people an hour that you're winning over. That that pace is not going to work. And so no. it's interesting. What I think she has the real chance to do is play spoiler in this race, though, because I do think she has this situation where because people like her, because she, you know, she can tell a pretty good story, she's not gonna, and uh, this is not going to be what Matt Brown is in the governor's race. She's not going to get 8% of the vote. She's probably going to be somewhere in those teens. She could creep into the low 20s. So then the question becomes, who does she take away from? Now, I think traditionally as somebody who's covered the city for a really long time i would have said she takes away from brett smiley they both live on the east side you know she's she's a little more liberal than he is they're all liberals they're all you know far to the left but um i'm starting to think differently i'm starting to think that she actually might be the person who puts brett smiley into the office because wow. I, I think she's going to eat up some of that progressive support that gonzalo cuervo has tried to um, really carve out. And so if that's the case, you know, you end up in a spot where they're, you know, everyone's kind of fighting for 32, 33, 34%. And right now it, it appears that Brett Smiley with all the money and all the organization probably benefits from that. You know, one of the thing, uh, Dan McGowan, before we break, the other thing that just stands out to me is the, when, when people hear, I'm, I'm mentioning, I see the signs, it goes beyond the signs. They're, some of them, they're, they're very large. The yes. lessness is incredible. And, you know, certain parts of like off Broad Street, you'll see on one side of a fence is Gonzalo. But I mean, it's like down to his waist, a full oh yeah, full picture. And it's really well done. And then right now, on the other side is Brett Smiley and the same type of thing. So I, I've yeah. just never, this is, do we, do these signs have like a, a name or something? I've just never seen them before. The likeness is incredible. Yeah. I call them face signs. But I don't okay. Know face signs. Yeah, wow. It, it, it is, you know, it's strange. I, a couple of years ago, I think I was, I was still working at channel 12, but I, I did a story on what's a good campaign sign versus what isn't. And I'll say this universally people thought, well, universally, except I suppose with, with one exception, people thought that, you know, your face on your sign is a bad idea, right? Because people aren't voting for your face. Right. The one thing, the one area in Providence that people thought the, the face mattered more than anything was the South side. Uh, oh. for, for whatever reason, people that, I, mean, I don't know if this goes to, you know, what politics looks like in the Dominican or whatever, but face signs are very popular. If you go, if you go down, you know, Broad Street, you look at who's running for state senator who's running for city council you see a lot of face signs you know people your, your face on the uh, on the picture and you're right it's fascinating to see um you know right across from one another in fact in, even in my neighborhood in mount pleasant there's a corner of mount pleasant and chalkstone fairly busy intersection there's a you know a, a little store that has a big giant picture of brett smiley's face and that's you know, five houses, six houses down from where Gonzalo lives. Uh, wow. And so he has to see that every single day. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. 
Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in, routine, urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe. Dan, uh, big write-up, folks, in today's Boston Globe. Uh, your colleague, Ed Fitzpatrick, there was a gubernatorial they're still doing it, by the way. I'm surprised, actually, that Ashley Kalis is still allowed <laughs> in on this. But anyhow, it was Everett Island College, and it was uh, total focused on 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 the climate, on climate and, and climate change. And you know, in just going through the article, I, I really agree with Helena Folks as far as that that uh, CRMC that that board for years. I don't know how they get away with it, but um, what, what can you tell us about the forum last night yeah I well you know I watched from home I didn't go to the debate and uh and we, you're right we have a big article about it Ed Fitzpatrick moderated it I think my colleague Brian Amaral wrote about it you know the challenge with these debates and and they're good they're, it's I think it's good to have issues based um debates but what you really learn is you know these candidates for the most part can be sort of uh, a mile wide and inch deep on issues. Yeah. Right? The, the, the challenge with the environment is it's such a passionate thing for the people who care very deeply for all the environmental groups and God bless them for good reason. Um, but you really learn in the course of 90 minutes, you know, you had governor McKee sort of, you know, had kind of had to stare down at his, you know, the, the facts on paper of, you know, remind himself, okay, this right. is what, you know, this is what I got done. And it's because it's not something just, you know, it's just a fact that it's just not something that they're talking about every day. Helena Folks knocking on doors and, you know, in Narragansett isn't getting asked every single day about her policy on, right. you know, on climate. I do think, you know, you've hit it on the head. The key to these kind of forums becomes, you know, how do I avoid uh, being kind of the, 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 the most criticized person in the room, right? You don't want to be booed by the environmental groups. So what they all try to do is, you know, put out their, their ideas and their plans, you know, right before, uh, you know, or a week before they have these forums. And in Helena Folk's case, I do think she grabbed a little bit of headlines, a little bit of attention by saying, yeah, we're going to get, we're going to change the process, you know, of appointing them uh, to the, to the CRMC, we're going to, you know, I think she says we're going to have a secretary of climate change or some version of that. Um, you know, I, I think that's a smart play by her because that's not a friendly room for her, right? That's, that's you know, that room is going to be more progressive. It's going to be some people who are, um, you know, who are probably leaning towards somebody like Matt Brown. Um, and, and there was a good, the only fireworks i mean these things John, you've been to them they're, they're not exactly the most riveting uh, no you know not at all there was some good back and forth between matt brown uh and and uh his former uh you know number two nelly gorbea uh where you know matt brown was trying to kind of score a few points by saying you know you should give back money from the fossil fuel industry or you know whoever's donated to her and she basically laughed him off brushed him off and said look, this is what, you know, you, essentially you people try to do, you know, you want to box me in, but I'm a serious person who's, you know, who's going to work hard. And like, this isn't about gotcha moments. You could see they were a little on edge. And I think Nelly Gourbet has got a challenge because she needs to grab, you know, she needs to take the few people left who are 
supporting Matt Brown and she needs to convince them that she is the most progressive person who can win the race. Because if you're just voting for Matt Brown, you might feel good, but you're not voting for the next governor of Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, Dan McGowan, speaking of that, first of all, I actually don't like, I think it's late in the game for these types of forums. And they're more, to me, it's more of a discussion than a, than a yes. debate. And, and I don't, I don't think there's a lot of value to it. That's especially, you know, when the real meat and potatoes are in all the general issues, but just starting off with what is the deal with, with, with Matt Brown? Like what kind of, this is a non-campaign unless does, does he have something else going on or is there some strategy that he's employing? It's just, one thing I'll say was in 2018, he was far more visible than he is this time around. He was far more visible. He was he was far more aggressive, right? Yeah. You know, he he certainly made a splash for himself. Um, it's almost like he's taken a back seat, you know, on on a multiple levels. Number one, you know, uh, Cynthia Mendez, the lieutenant governor, seems poor. Uh, the lieutenant governor candidate, uh, who he's running with, uh, seems poised to probably do better in the election. I'm not sure she's going to win, but you know, do better in the election than he does. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost like she should have been kind of she should have been the, the gubernatorial candidate for the yeah. for the far left um and then you know they're they're so focused that group the co-op is so focused on you know electing people down ticket people to the general assembly even down to city council races in different parts of the state that there's almost just not a lot of shine this is something i wrote about and we discussed you know when matt brown got in the race the big question for matt brown when he jumped in was of the 30-odd percent that he got against Gina Raimondo, how much of that was just a protest vote? What we're finding out now is that very clearly a huge chunk of that vote uh, yeah. was, you know, was just anybody but but Raimondo because now, you know, he's in this spot where there are other choices. There are people who are maybe not as, you know, pure to the left as he is, but Nelly Grabay is making a case. I think Helena Folks is making a case to, you know, particularly to female voters to say, hey, like, you know, I, I, I'm a reasonable person. And, um, you know, I, I think people are looking at her. And I think then, you know, the other challenge here is when you have a lot, when, when you're the incumbent governor who's got lots of kind of institutional union support, there are going to be progressives who just kind of fall in line with what they believe in or what they're, you know, what they think they should believe in. So I think they're all kind of taking from Matt Brown in, in some way. And he hasn't really been able to put together a viable campaign. Tim McGovern, what did you think of last week? Granted, it was the opposition, but the whole McKee press conference to directly and go right after the Providence Journal on, on the story on the child advocate. That was, I, I just don't recall a situation that someone uh, did something like that, and it was completely bullseyed right at them. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the things that I think you and I uh, go back and forth with on this, uh, you know, fairly frequently as, as two people who it is our job to pay close attention to what's happening in the state. Yeah. Um, I didn't blink when I saw the original story about the child advocate and a search for a new one. I didn't care. It right. wasn't, it wasn't something that we were all gunning to, you know, no. have a big story on. And so Dan McKee may have felt really good by, you know, calling out the journal and in fact, getting a correction, God bless them. You know, when the, when you make a mistake, good, good on news organizations to admit it and fix it. But he raised the attention of something that nobody was paying attention to, yep. right? I, I thought it was, I thought it was the biggest. When you think last week should have been the the the, the beginning of the momentum kind of charge for Governor McKee, you get right. the NEA endorsement, you get the AFL CIO. Uh, that is huge in a Democratic primary. By the end of the week, you had a bunch of reporters kind of texting each other, saying, "What the heck is this guy doing? He's yeah. with the journal." You know, nobody even understand. No one was ever going to cover this other than, you know, a story in the journal. Um, I thought it was a, a big mistake. And again, yeah. it feels good. I, I know how these politicians think. It's, it's lovely. You know, you feel good when you can kind of show up a reporter. And, and, you know, it's weird, but it is what it is. But in this case, I think it just I think it started a conversation that was completely was never going to happen. Yeah, and, and on top of that, who was reading the story anyway? I mean, the, during the week and a child advocate story, and, and it all seemed to focus just because they included the 
quote from Carol McEntee, but you know, your former colleague, Tennessee, he retweeted, you did that column last October. He spends a lot, Governor McKee spends more time arguing with the ref than focusing on the game. And he was just so adamant about it. And Dan McGowan also, we had the, you know, the, the soccer stadium in play. And it just showed this. I, I just, I even put out, it's like winning the battle, but losing the war. What was, what was the point of that? And they were so aggressive about it. Like, well, it was, here, here's the other challenge, the other issue that, that Governor McKee had. You know, he's not, he's not going to like to hear this, but he's got a boy who cried wolf problem because, as I, I will tell you, this, I did not see the Tom Mooney journal story before they called a press conference. I just right. hadn't read, I didn't read it. Quite frankly, I didn't care. I knew that the the child advocate, uh, you know, was having a health issue, and and you know she's a wonderful lady and a good great advocate and a good person. So you know you send your best wishes to her. But this wasn't a news story. And then even as I started to hear a little bit about, well, it's possible the journal actually did make a mistake here, or at least they they you know the the, the governor's office has kind of covered themselves pretty well. In my head, I still said, you know what? This is just him complaining again. I'll bet you Rooney's got it. I'll bet you he's right. Right. And it takes a lot because I think the governor complains so much. Now, again, yeah. he got this one right. He may have got this one right. He may have won the battle, as you said. Well, well put. Um, I'm just not sure it wins the war. And the problem is, is that, you know, two weeks from now, now that he's in his head been vind- you know, vindicated, two weeks from now when, you know, when Channel 12 has another story that he doesn't like, He's going to think the way to do this is to yep. say it, it is the, you know, it's so corny to compare him to Donald Trump, compare every politician to Donald Trump. But this is the thing that Donald Trump, you know, felt, you know, very strong about. There'd be times where he would be criticized, you know, in, in report of the Times or by the Washington Post. And he probably at times had a point, right? They might have been overreaching, you know, maybe framing things in a, in a negative way. The problem is when you complain about everything, <laughs> then no one's going to ever take you seriously. That's right. Um, Excellent point. And I think he's, I think he's got a little bit of that problem right now. Yeah, and especially the more we learn, there were multiple conversations apparently with the journal that day. How about just putting out a statement? We, you know, that's we dispute that. That's not what it was. That's the well, end but, of it. By but, the way, you're the governor of Rhode Island. You can yeah. you can walk into the journal building and immediately meet with an editor. There's no right. there. This is not. Uh, you know, the guy next door who, you know, is upset about the way a story was framed and it's really hard. And look, report, I'll admit this, be the first one to admit this. Reporters, we hate corrections, right? Yeah. We will, we're going to fight you and we're going to, you know, find the way to justify whatever we think. We're always going to wrestle because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be wrong. But at the end of the day, when you're the governor of Rhode Island, you have the ability to, you know, to call people that the average person does not and instead he chose to do this kind of public you know shaming in some ways and you know i think you tweeted this and, and i agree with it is i've known tom mooney for my entire career he's as good of a reporter as he there is. is this he's isn't gonna solid. scare him <laughs> no no and that's if anything there's an expression somebody has a glass jaw yes. you know you can't take a punch but to call a press conference just to dance around and then point at him and then the whole thing you got it wrong like that's your big win i i thought that was yeah well I'll, should... I'll, i'm sure you want to move on but i'll give you one i'll just give you one you know uh example of the governor uh, it, it, because you know i think there's there's a, a segment of you know of his supporters who were saying well you know again he in this case he may have been right and you know, what do you mean by that? And what do you mean by, by saying that he, you know, argues with the refs and stuff? I mean, I'll give you an example. Not even remotely the same as, you know, making a mistake in, in print. But there's something I wrote early on about Governor McKee, uh, you know, what Bradbury took office, where I, where I framed something in, in a way where I said, you know, his supporters, uh, it, was, it was with this ILO group, the Education Consulting Group. And I, I suggested in, in my in roadmap, in my newsletter, that his, uh, you know, his, con- he, he, that multiple supporters of his were involved. He got very upset because, in fact, you know, this, this one of these guys is not involved with ILO, whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh, he was right. And I walked up to him, you know, after I made it clear. One, I made a correction in the newsletter. I also walked up to him and said, hey, governor, I got that one wrong. I apologize. 
you know, I was being too casual with the way I wrote it, shook his hand, looked him in the face and told him I was wrong. But he still held a grudge about it for months afterwards, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's just the way they, that's that's who he is. Uh, I, I thought that was the, the wrong way to handle the journal. Folks, uh, quick break, much more ahead. Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service. Over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe. Dan, um, how significant, uh, I, I think that Helena Folks, her getting the endorsement from Mayor Alorza last week, I, I thought that was a big plus. That shows me, you know, she's really doing whatever it'll take to win. I've heard some other people you know, kind of dismissing it. But I, I thought, you know, it, it, it with the, the boat comes down and the, the battle is Providence, which it is, I, I you tell me, I thought that was that was a, a good coup, especially if he will step up and, and help her between now and September 13th. Absolutely. I think it's clear, you know, the problem with this is, we talked about this last week because, you know, I, I wrote about Mayor Lord in my column, wrote about his poll, and there's a lot of people, especially inside of the bubble, inside of the gang of 500, who don't want to believe that Mayor Lorza, in his own backyard, is relatively popular. And I say, well, if he was that popular, he would have run for governor. If he, this, that, and the other thing. Look, Mayor Lorza's made a lot of very questionable, sometimes I would say goofy decisions as mayor. Um, but you know, we know what we've seen in the polling. We know what we've seen from the one time he's been on the ballot, uh, you know, after initially getting elected and he drubbed his Democratic primary opponent and his independent uh, opponent in a general election who had real money. Uh, Dee Dee, that's Dee Dee Whitman had, you know, was a yeah. serious candidate for mayor um, and, and he crushed her. Right. So, yep. so the idea that Mayor Lorza, you know, doesn't have at least some kind of, uh, you know, traction in Providence, that, that's kind of a bias that people have because they don't like his style. Right. Um, and look, I'm guilty of it too. I, there, again, there's things that I think he's done really wrong, but he definitely has traction. And if you look at our poll, when it came to, you know, the, the polling that governor's race, Helena Fultz was, you know, 1% or 0% among black and Latino voters. She needs to pick it up. She needs to put together yep. that Gina Raimondo coalition. It has to be, the combination of the elites and the um, and black and Latino support. Uh, this, I, I mean, is as big of an endorsement as you can get in the city of Providence. I, I don't know what else would be. I agree. Um, you, you know, re- remote. You know, I, I suppose if David Cicilline endorsed, which he's not going to do, that would be a very important. Maybe that would be the biggest endorsement in yes. Providence. But the. Yeah that's not happening and so the sitting mayor of providence is is a factor and he can be somebody you know i was talking to one of his an admitted supporter of his uh after i wrote about it i think after i talked to you last week and they said to me you know go on a bike ride not that i'm ever going to do this but go on a bike ride with mayor lorsa and ride through the south side people are you know they, they come out of the house for him they, yes. they want him to come over yeah look you're gonna be proud about a mayor who looks like you who talk yeah, who right. can speak your language yeah. and so if he does some retail politicking um you know in, in, the, in the next couple of weeks i do think it's going to be a big a big factor and it starts to cut into the nelly support right it starts to cut into the governor mckee support 
know, there's a wide open race on the other side of the city. The east side will be really interesting. I think they're probably going to, you know, be somewhere in between Nelly Gorbea and Helena folks. But who knows? Mayor Lorza's endorsement could put people over the top there as well. So I, I think this is a huge endorsement. Um, and anyone who's, who's kind of writing it off, again, it just goes back to, you know, you don't want to like the mayor because you disagree with him. Yeah, I, you know, Providence is its own kind of world. It's totally. different than the rest of the state. And I've been, he comes out to different events. People pose pictures with him. He knows everyone. The guy's been elected citywide twice. Dan McGowan, was his endorsement in play? Is there a reason why he went with folks instead of Nelly Gorbea? I mean, I hear, listen, a lot of times there's some kind of an ask, whether it's going to be for him or the first lady of the city. But I, how come he did not go with Nelly Gorbea? You know, strangely, they haven't ever had this, you know, deeply kind of tight relationship. You got to okay. remember, right? Nellie Gorbea, who's her kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, best political ally in Providence is Gonzalo Cuervo. Gonzalo right. Cuervo worked for the last two mayors, but not this one. That's right. right. And so when Jorge Alorza came into office, it's a great, I'm sure I'll, I'll try to write it after he leaves office or when he's nearing those final days. He had a lot of people who, remember, you know, he gets in because he's running against Buddy and everyone coalesces behind him and there's lots yeah. of support. What happened, though, and he, he still takes, uh, you know, uh, some umbrage with it, is after after he won, everybody came asking. Everybody had, hey, I, you know, can you hire my friend here? Can you do this? Can you put this person? Hey, protect this person. And he'll talk about it. And he was very offended. And in fact you know, lost a lot of relationships right out of the gate with powerful people, Speaker Mattiello, people like yeah. that, um, because he was kind of saying, no, he wanted to do his own thing. Um, now, I don't know that Nelly went that far, but I do think he kind of looks at the, let's call it the establishment political class with, you know, kind of some level of, he kind of rolls his eyes at I think, yeah. I, I assume Helena Folks put in a big effort. Um, you know, you're always going to be kind of charmed by the person who works the hardest for you, uh, you know, for your support. And I think Helena Folks in the last couple of weeks, from what I understand, it's just the last couple of weeks that this has happened. Um, Helena Folks has called them constantly. They're texting. They're, they're friends. They've become friends. Um, and, and sure, you know, what, what happens down the line? You know, is there a judgeship or, a, right. uh, you know, anything like that down the line? All of those things, I think, are possibly in play. But again, they would have they could have been in play anywhere. You know, any, right. anyone's going to be able to you, if you want the sitting mayor's endorsement, you, you, know, you, you can give them something somewhere. Uh, so he, he was he was a little bit dazzled by her, but she worked the hardest. That's the bottom line. She she tr she wanted this endorsement. She went out and got it. Uh, folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan McGowan, where is the folks campaign right now? Uh, that was a big endorsement. She's definitely there. She's definitely spending money. Um, where is she now as we're coming inside the window? Your eyes. Well, you know, I think she's probably, I, you know, we, I'm, I'm wait, we're waiting to see. I'm hoping Channel 12 actually has a, you know, a, a new poll at some point relatively soon because, you know, I, we haven't seen the public polling. What you hear from people within her team is, yeah, we're right there. We're in the low 20s now. Uh, right there with everybody else. This is a three-way, you know, battle for you know, 35, 38, God forbid, the number uh, percent of the vote here. And so in some ways, she, she spent a ton of money and she's gotten to, you know, where she needed to be, go from zero to that. Uh, the question is, is just, you know, how much more is she going to spend and wh what does she do to kind of get to the next level kind of feels it. I think Nellie Gorbea had a poll out this week and her, uh, I was surprised they put it out because it kind of looks like everybody has stalled. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still a big 20% some odd undecided. Um, those undecided voters need somewhere to go. Um, you know, I know everybody in this, you talk to a lot of the experts and they're telling me, Oh, that, you know, there's going to be low turnout. There's going to be low turnout. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think, Post-Trump, you know, 18, 20, and now 22, turnout, I think it's been pretty strong, certainly yes. 18 and 20. It, maybe it goes, it regresses a little bit, but I do think independence needs somewhere to go, and, and Helena Folks probably makes the most sense for them. So all of that is a way of saying, yes, yeah, she spent a lot of money. Some, I think a lot of us are scratching our heads at how she's spending it, but uh, she's right there. She, you know, she's not going to fade away. 
Dave McGowan, uh, before we talk about roadmap, I'm just curious. You mentioned it. Boy, that Cynthia Mendez. I mean, I don't agree with her on issues, but I, I thought she was very powerful on that newsmakers debate your former colleagues. Yeah, well, look, you know, I, I have been, I've had the unfortunate um, role of, you know, sitting in the room for those, for the, for the undercard kind of debates, right? The, the, the ones that nobody watches and they're tough to pay attention to, right? I've had to write the story on Dan McKee versus Aaron Regenberg, that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, this one had some fireworks and it is, you're right. It's because Cynthia Mendes is somebody who's willing to, you know, who is willing to call out her colleagues. And she went really hard after Deb Ruggiero. I think if, if I was Sabina Matos on Friday, um, you know, you want, you want as many people as possible to see that debate because she kind of came across, I think, as the, you know, the person who was going to let these two kind of go at it and, you know, sort of came across, I suppose, as the grown up to some degree. Yeah, she, she went after Deborah Hero very aggressively. Very hard, Folks, yeah. you hear me mention Roadmap. Uh, it arrives each morning in my inbox. It has news of the day. It has links to all the top stories. Uh, Nathan Carmen's not getting out. Uh, various other stories that appear in, in the Boston Globe. And also, we have best uh, deal to get oysters. And Dan McGowan, right now, if you'd be so kind to uh, make the offer of how people can get roadmap starting tomorrow. Yeah, one of my favorite things that, that happens after you and I talk every week is my, my inbox just fills up with blank emails. Good. Uh, because that's how we sign people up. Very simple. Send me a blank email. Don't have to write anything else. I'll know what it is to rinews at globe.com. Rinews at globe.com. Like John said. You get a little bit of new stuff from me. Sometimes it's breaking a story. Sometimes it's analysis. Uh, sometimes it's just a little fun. You get all the stories from my colleagues about Rhode Island and the Globe. And then, of course, all the great stories, you know, baseball trade deadline coverage, you know, now getting into Patriots stuff for the sports. So rinews at globe.com, and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. John, have a great day. Thank you. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 305 3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's My Health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Poppin' and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. The Centerdale Revival. Stop in and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Centerdale Revival, located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Centerdale, right across from North Providence Town Hall, Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence.